Did you know that many educators unknowingly fall into a people-pleasing trap where they're putting their well-being on the line all for the sake of other people? Now, if you'd have told me that a year ago I, Brittany Blackwell, was a people-pleaser, I'd tell you you'd lost your marbles. But the more I kind of dove into it, the more I found out that I actually do have quite a few people-pleasing tendencies. And I can almost bet my lucky flare pin that some of you listening right now also have some people-pleasing tendencies and that they've contributed to your burnout in the past or right now. We talked back in episode 70 about the four different types of teachers who need to set boundaries right away. And I had tons of you say that you needed more information about this people-pleasing personality and ways to nip this in the bud. So that's exactly what we're talking about in this episode, the hidden characteristics of people-pleasing, the six actionable steps that you can take towards squashing these burnout-causing tendencies, and some strategies to avoid overwork due to people-pleasing with today's special guest, Amy Schamberg. Amy Schamberg is a mental health and holistic wellness expert with over 13 years of dedicated experience. She is the driving force behind Amy Schamberg Wellness, and she holds various prominent roles, including being a licensed school psychologist at the Rick Center for Gifted Children at the University of Denver. She's a functional medicine certified health coach, national board certified health and wellness coach, trainer, speaker, and the creator of the Me Time Method. Additionally, she has contributed her expertise to the international mindfulness and mental health care company, Headspace. If you think that you might be a people pleaser or you're really just not sure, or heck, you think that you're not one, you really need to listen to this one because it's going to blow your mind. So let's get into it. Hey, teacher friends, welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, your one-stop shop for beating the teacher burnout cycle once and for all. Whether you're searching for inspiration, sustainable strategies, ways to reignite your passion for teaching, or just how to live your best teacher life without sacrificing your personal life, you are in the right place. No cookie cutter solutions here, just real, raw experiences and tips from other teachers who've been there, done that, to remind you, you are not alone. I'm Brittany, your host, a special educator at heart, instructional coach, mom slash bonus mom of five kids, and teacher burnout and sustainability strategist with my agency, Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul. I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize burnout prevention and recovery so that they can live a balanced, filling life inside and outside of the classroom. Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, and discussing the hot topics in teacher burnout with other teachers so that you can transform your life from chaos to confidence. On this podcast, we believe in supporting and uplifting one another to heal the system from the inside out. So let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. Hey, Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thanks so much for having me. I was really excited to connect with you, and I gave a really great introduction to you, but I always think it's so important to hear uh, your story straight from the source, so um, it's just way more impactful that way. And so can you share a little bit about you, your burnout, your journey of becoming a school psychologist, working in functional medicine as a health coach? Yeah. How much time do we have? (laughs) Um, We've got all the time in the world. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you know, so I I entered um, you know public education school psychology around 2010, and from the beginning, I was always so passionate about my work, and 
you know, it's interesting when we talk about burnout because I think it's really sneaky and it can sneak up on you. And for me, in the beginning, um, being double booked, triple booked, you know, bringing work home on the weekend, staying late, like that felt like a choice. And I, I was very passionate about what I was doing and it was no big deal. This is just what everybody did. Um, and so that's just the kind of to set the stage as to like the beginning of my career. And there was a, a period of time when I worked part time as a school psychologist and I still was bringing all my work home on the days that I wasn't there. And that was just yeah. kind of a joke like, yeah, this is how it goes. You never really work part time. Right. right. Um, and, you know, then we entered COVID <laughs> and that's when things changed for all of us, myself included. And. Um, during that time where everybody was working at home, I decided to pursue another passion of mine, which is functional medicine, health coaching. And so if you're not familiar with functional medicine, it's really um, an approach that looks at the root cause of illness um, rather than saying, you know, oh, you have a headache, take an Advil. We say, why do you have a headache? And let's treat that. And that was really interesting to me. And it had been for a long time. So um, I, I, you know, saw the COVID situation as an opportunity to do something new. So um, I pursued that training. And then um, I went back to work uh, at the school that I had been employed at, which was the second largest high school in the state of Colorado with 3,200 students. Um, it was, yeah, it was busy <laughs> to say the least. And then, you know, we returned after COVID and all of the mental health concerns that we had previously seen were just exacerbated across the board. And with myself, um, I was kind of burning the candle at both ends for a long time without really realizing it. Um, so I had those habits that I mentioned from before, always just kind of working really hard, putting more on my plate, thinking that it was a choice. Then I pursued this other certification in coaching. Um, and, and then things started to kind of get really hard and unravel a bit. And it just started to feel like it wasn't a choice anymore. Um, and it started to feel really, really hard. And I was just exhausted all the time. And I didn't feel passionate about my work anymore. And that was a big sign to me um, when the compassion fatigue sent, uh, set in. Um, and I just was feeling really detached from my students. Uh, that was a sign that something was not right. And um, long story short, I ended up needing to take a 10-week leave of absence because I was so um, unable to function. Um, my burnout got to the point where I would be having a conversation with a colleague or in a meeting with a parent, and it was like the words were coming, but I couldn't even hear them. Um, I wasn't able to show up for my family at all. So I, I had to take a leave of absence. And that was the period of time that I really um, had to look deep inside myself and figure out what's going on here, because it's very easy to blame external circumstances like, you know, the pandemic. That's what caused my burnout. Oh, this, this, you know, school district that I'm in, or it's the demands of my building. And sure, that certainly contributed. But with my functional medicine training and understanding about looking for a root cause, I knew I knew how to go deeper. Um, and that was really hard uh, to, to see that there are certain things that I was doing, you know, certain beliefs that I held, certain habits that I was continuing um, that were contributing to my burnout. And so that was a huge epiphany for me. And once I was able to have that self-awareness and have some self-compassion because it was kind of a, you know, a tough pill to swallow, like, oh gosh, I 
So this kind of falls on my shoulders. Um, it became really empowering. And uh, so long story short, I, I decided to leave public education um, at the end of the 2021-2022 school year. And I worked for an amazing international wellness company that provided uh, health coaching to people all over the world. And so I worked as a health coach for about 15 months. And what was really interesting to me during that period of time is I kept seeing, seeing the same themes on repeat with my clients there. I often would work with high-achieving professional women in some sort of caregiving role, um, not always educators, but maybe that was healthcare or maybe they were a mom. But, you know, most, most women that I know are a caregiver in some form. And it was just the same themes on repeat. Um, these people-pleasing qualities, these perfectionistic tendencies, putting themselves last, you know, making their uh, self a, a priority at the very bottom of the list, all the things that I had done for a very, very long time. And, and it was leading to burnout. And I was just like, wow, okay, this is, this is not just me. <laughs> this is across the board. I'm working with these amazing women all over the world who have these exact same issues. Um, and so all that to say, you know, there are things that we can do. There are things within our control that we can shift, that we can change to become more resilient, to have a buffer against those external things that we don't have control over. And that's what I've become really, really passionate about um, in the last year or so. I just love listening to your story because I was listening and I heard you say you were passionate. And I've done some research about passion and burnout. And typically, when you are passionate about something, you give your all to it because you're so excited. You have all of these things that you want to complete. And then you end up burning out because you are burning the candle at both ends. You have those perfectionistic, those people-pleasing tendencies, um, high achieving. We just talked about this in episode 70, how there are four particular, I mean, there's more personality types out there, but we talked about how there's four particular personality types that really need to set boundaries this school year as teachers. And those were some of those four characteristics. I know you talked about being a people pleaser. I, I looked into you a little <laughs> bit. I, I know that there are so many teachers out there there that fit that criteria too, and maybe don't even realize it. So mm -hmm. If there's someone listening right now, how could somebody tell maybe if they're a people pleaser too? I love that you asked that question because a few years ago, I would have said, I am not a people pleaser. Absolutely. Not. My, my inner rebel like cringes at the thought of being a people pleaser. I've always thought of myself as this, you know, very independent, um, you know, strong-willed, I'll do what I want when I want type person. Um, however, you know, the, the definition of a people pleaser is, you know, it's like the act of accommodating the needs of others to avoid conflict or negative feelings, even if you don't enjoy what you're doing. So what that looks like, um, if you're constantly feeling overwhelmed by all of your commitments, that's the number one, um, I don't know, red flag that maybe you can get curious and see like what else is going on here. Um, are you agreeing to take on more responsibilities, even when you want to say no? consistently? Yeah. Are you avoiding conflict at all costs, right? Do you feel really uncomfortable setting a boundary? Do you feel really uncomfortable just bringing something up? You know, sometimes we have those situations where we notice, we just get the sense that something's a little off with like a relationship even, but we don't want to bring it up because it's going to be an icky conversation. It's going to be uncomfortable. Mm. 
Do we avoid that, right? Um, are we constantly apologizing even when it's not necessary? Um, do we feel the need to provide like this elaborate explanation for why we can't do something if we do in fact set a boundary or say no? Like, do we have to go on and on? I think about my husband, like if he can't do something, he'll just be like, no, I can't do that. End of story. Like, yeah. and I, I can't do something. I'm like, well, here's the thing. You know, my kid has this appointment and then we have to go here. And I already said I would do this. And I feel like the need to, you know, give all this information. Um, and, and some other signs of being a people pleaser is just, you know, if you feel guilty putting yourself first, if you feel guilty caring for yourself, because there's always going to be more that you could be doing always. And so, you know, if you're constantly like, oh, I can't, I can't take this time for myself because I need to grade those papers or I need to write that report or I need to, you know, yeah, those things are always going to be there. But if that guilt is constantly there, that's another sign that you might be a people pleaser. And, you know, I think that leads to really feeling resentful, um, leads to feeling really stressed and ultimately leads to burnout. Yeah. I mean, you said that about being independent. I talked with my friend Spencer last year about um, some of the things that she went through in burnout. She was talking about people pleasing. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I think I even said, like, I am far from a people pleaser. But when I really dove into it, because like I'm an Enneagram eight, like I, I'm one of those people who's got like a real strong personality and I like to stick up for people, that sort of thing. I would never have said, Brittany is a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. But even just kind of looking into it, realizing when I'm giving, I, I tell people when they say, well, can you do such and such? And I'm like, well, I got this one thing and I got this other thing. And so I'm really juggling a lot right now. And even though I'm setting a boundary, I still give a whole lot with it. You know what I mean? And I think... I bet there's some teachers out there right now who are listening in that are like, oh, crap, maybe maybe I am a people pleaser. You know, what are the like the six steps to really avoid people pleasing? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, I think we need to come up with a new name for people pleasing because I think that it's just like offensive to all of us who are like, absolutely. I don't try to please people all the time. I just, you know, um, right. <laughs> but I think, you know, there are there are steps that you can take. And, you know, number one is awareness, really. You know, it took me, like I said, a very long time to understand that um, people pleasing could also coincide with being a free spirit, ambitious, high achiever. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and so just having that awareness is really important. And along with that is identifying the thoughts or the feelings that come before the, the action. So, you know, just being mindful of thoughts or situations where you might think, well, I have to do that, or I have no choice, or, you know, they're counting on me, or whatever those stories are that we tell ourselves, we have to become aware of those stories. We have to, yeah. to know what we're saying. And, and then with that, we need to challenge those thoughts, right? So when someone asks us to, you know, cover a class when we were planning on spending that free period preparing for our own, you know, next class or something like that. Um, and, and we say, well, you know, they don't have anyone else to ask or I owe them because they helped me out. Well, well, really, what what's underneath of that? You know, if you shared that you couldn't or would could you offer to help them find somebody else? You know, what else is there? And another strategy, along with challenging those thoughts that I often use with clients, is called fact versus opinion. And so basically, it's like asking yourself, is this thought I have a fact or is it an opinion? And of course, the first answer is, of course, it's a fact. However, then the next question I have for clients is, 
would that hold up in a court of law? Right. So that, that you have that I don't have a choice. I have to do this. They're counting on me. Is that a fact that, you know, will hold up in a court of law? And 99% of the time, the answer is no. So that's just a kind of a way to help reframe. Um, and then another way to overcome people pleasing is to practice being assertive in a really um, low stakes, respectful way. So for a lot of us who are conflict avoiders, you know, it can be really um, scary and uncomfortable to speak up right away in a high stakes situation. So, you know, just just practicing um, using I statements, practicing, um, you know, when it's we're going out for lunch and everyone says, well, where do you want to go? If you're the type of person who normally says, oh, I don't care. Well, I'll go wherever you want to go. Speak your opinion. Where do you want to go? You know, what is an idea that you have? And, and practice these little these little things that kind of help you feel more confident in asserting yourself. Um, and you mentioned boundaries. Of course, that's super important. Um, and and on along the lines of low stakes practicing, um, what's been helpful for a lot of my clients recently that I've been working with, rather than saying, you know, no, I can't do that right away. It's a little softer to practice uh, saying, let me think about that and get back to you tomorrow. And then give yourself 24 hours to truly think about it. Because what yeah. I'm noticing, right, is many of the things that we overcommit to, we impulsively say yes, because it's a yeah. habit because we're used to it, right? So, yeah, sure. Of, co- of course I'll do that. And then we tell ourselves, well, now I have to, because I've already committed. Yeah. So, so giving ourselves that space to really think about it um, and think, you know, if I say yes to this, what does that mean I'm saying no to? Because every yes equals a no, right? Yeah. Uh, and and then really, I think the next one is just self-acceptance. A lot of times people pleasing comes from this need to receive validation from others, external validation. Um, And I mean, that can go way back to childhood. I think about when I was younger and I would bring home the A's on my report card and that's when I would get the attention and the love and good job, right? Um, And so, you know, we have this need for external validation, but if we can learn to give ourselves that own, that, that, uh, internal validation on our own, um, that kind of helps eliminate that as well. It's interesting that you brought that up because I literally wrote it down because I was thinking about what actually made me realize that I might be a people pleaser. And yeah. it was getting that validation from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would often say, yes, that was where the root was. The root was that I wanted to be accepted um, by other people, by my peers in the classroom, by my principal, by my husband, by my parents, all di- all these different people in my life, I wanted to feel validation from. I wanted to hear that external validation, that good job, you're doing a great job, that sort of thing. And so I would often say yes when I really wanted to say no. And then I'd get ticked off, you know, like when it came around, I'd be like, oh, I've got to do this thing that I said I was going to do and I really didn't want to do it, you know? And I think so many teachers often experience that too because somebody asks them, hey, can you cover this class? And you're like, yeah, I can do that. But then the whole time you're in a crappy mood, the kids can tell they're like, this lady doesn't want to be here. You know what I mean? And, and I think that was the, that, that was the thing that made me recognize, Hey, even though I'm an independent person and I've got great, I I'm typically very assertive. I was still people pleasing because I was wanting that external validation. And when I could actually become self-aware enough to realize that about myself, it was like, oh, okay. 
So that yucky feeling that I'm getting, that really icky feeling like I really don't want to do this, but I'm still saying yes, that's my people-pleasing tendency trying to creep out. You know what I mean? Right. And at what detriment, right? Like I love what you said about how it just affects everyone around us. Sure, we say yes in the moment to please this one person, but then we feel bad about it. The students that we're with pick up on that energy. How does that impact them? We bring that home with us to our families. And it's just this cycle that perpetuates. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think we don't talk about enough is that people pleasing can lead to some of that overwork that sends us down that slippery slope of burnout. And I think when we think about it that way, when we think this is causing me to overwork, I'm overextending myself, I'm overcommitting myself because I'm not setting those boundaries because I'm looking for that validation that really changes the perspective and the priority to really put yourself first. So what do you recommend for those teachers that are overworking, overextending, overcommitting? What are some of the specific strategies that you can recommend? Yeah, that's a great question. And like we talked about just a while ago, oftentimes we are passionate about what we're doing. You know, we, we love our work a lot of the time. And um, so it's important. We talked about setting boundaries with, with others, but it's also important to set boundaries with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just being a, an educated human who knows the importance of downtime, um, we need to put um, you know, an end to the workday, we need to say, okay, I'm not going to check emails after 5pm, or I'm not going to do any work past, you know, whatever, 7pm, 6pm, whatever that is, and then stick to it. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's number one is setting those boundaries with ourselves, because we're never going to be able to maintain a boundary with others if we can't even maintain them with ourselves. Right. Um, and then I think another piece is really, being mindful and capitalizing on what I call the power of pause. So like we're so busy, like from the moment we wake up and, you know, all day long and it can be really easy to just get swept up in that busyness and like never come up for air. Right. And it's like, suddenly it's three o'clock and you're like, I haven't even eaten lunch today. Mm-hmm. Um, so just um, like for myself, I often will set an alarm on my watch to go off every two hours. And it just like reminds, it like pulls me out of whatever I'm doing. And, you know, I might look out the window and take a couple breaths or, you know, just take a break. All the things that we tell our students to do, right? Know, do for ourselves and, and model that as well, you know, and then practicing real self-care. I think that self-care could be a very triggering word to some people because, you know, in the pandemic, it was like self-care, self-care. And it's like, who has time for bubble baths when I'm, you know, right? all these other things going on. Um, but something I've been talking a lot about lately is self-care as being something that you can subtract, something that you can take off your plate. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for myself, I was getting really triggered by (laughs) self-care. I was getting really annoyed and I was thinking, you know, of course, I'd love to read a non-work related book, but I don't have time for that. Of course, I'd like to go get my nails done, but I don't have time for that. Um, So then I thought about, well, what does self-care even mean? And for me, self-care means, you know, reducing stress and increasing joy. And What would what would allow that to occur? Well, if I didn't have these constant thoughts about I need to, I should, I have to. So how can I get rid of those thoughts? Or, you know, if there's a certain task that you can't stand, can you train someone else to do it and delegate right. it? Right. Mm-hmm. Like what 
you remove from your plate? Um, and I think that's really been helpful for not just myself, but the, the clients that I've been working with as well. Um, and honestly, I think that the number one way to kind of mitigate the effects of overworking or just being super busy and stressed all the time is sleep. And, you know, we hear that all the time, but honestly, when we are overworking and busy, sleep is the first thing to go. I read something the other day that said uh, humans are the only mammals that purposely delay sleep. Like no other mammal does this. Like if, you know, the cat's tired, it lays down, takes a nap. Like we're the only ones that just put it off. Yeah. Um, And the thing that really keeps us up late at night, too, is the thing that we tell our students and our kids not to do, which is, you know, getting on our devices and scrolling. And for a lot of the the moms that Mm -hmm. I work with, I hear this all the time, and I was guilty of this myself. Um, It's like the end of the night is the only time you have for yourself. You know, rest of the Mm -hmm. people sleeping. You're not looking at work stuff anymore. It's quiet. Of course you're exhausted and you know you should go to bed, but you're like, let me just pull up social media. And you know, before you know it, it's two hours later and you're down at TikTok rabbit hole and exhausted this morning. And it's like, well, you repeat it the next day. So there are some specific steps that we can take to kind of put ourselves in a digital detox at night and set ourselves up for a better night of sleep. Because as as we all know, when we are sleep deprived, everything is so much harder. Every problem so much bigger. And all of the strategies that we've talked about today are nearly impossible to implement if we're just like surviving on coffee and making it through the day. Yeah. I I love what you said about self-care being something that you're removing because mm-hmm. I, I thought when I was listening to people talk about, you know, you need to add self-care, you need to add self-care. I'm like, like roll your eyes. right? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, during that time, during the pandemic, they were like, oh, well, you know, just go take some time for yourself. But they would never say exactly what would work for individual teachers. And or they'd give some like blanket list of things that you should add to your plate. And I love the way that you framed that to like remove things, because I think about it like things need to be individualized specifically for you because what works for me is not going to work for you. What what works for Cindy down the hall, that's not going to be the same as what's for you and giving you a self-care menu and expecting you to choose that, that's it doesn't work. That doesn't work. I don't believe in cookie cutter solutions. And just kind of adding in that layer of removing something, that is just, I love that. I love yeah, that. I'm, really? I'm going to forever have to quote you on that forevermore. <laughs> yeah. Self-care by subtraction. I think it's the new way to be because um, as you said, ask 100 people what self-care means. You'll get 100 different answers and all of them are right. Yeah. However, if if self-care to you is um, going to the spa, what what do you need to take off your plate in order to like make space for that? Right. So we still need right. to subtract something. Yeah. And you you talked about the people pleasing. I know that there are so many teachers out there who don't even realize that they're a people pleaser. And just listening to our conversation today, it's going to have them thinking and reflecting and being like, huh, you know, if if Brittany might be a people pleaser <laughs> or if Amy might be a people pleaser, maybe I am too. And really looking into that and reflecting and start to look at self-care as, you know, by subtraction. So mm-hmm. I just, I love that. It was such a good conversation. Is there anything else that you want to add or that you would want to tell um, the audience who's listening today? Yeah. I mean, 
I just want everyone to know that if you are feeling burnt out and you're feeling stuck, it doesn't have to be this way. Um, and, and, you know, oftentimes in education, we kind of get in that like commiserating <laughs> cycle yeah. where we just like we vent a lot with our colleagues. And I, I, there is um, that can be helpful for a bit uh, until yeah. it's not. <laughs> and um, I, I just really would encourage everyone to take some steps um, to to feel a little bit better. I um, I would love for people to take a look at my website and my blog. I have some other articles on there. Um, I have a free guide to bedtime bliss that kind of goes through some of those helpful hacks for better sleep that I was alluding to. Um, and, and, you know, I just, I just want everyone to know that the, it doesn't have to be this way. If you're feeling stuck in overwhelm and stuck in burnout, there is another way, and um, I'd be happy to, you know, share some more resources with anybody who's interested. Absolutely. So we're going to put all of the links down for your freebie, for your social media, anywhere that people can connect with you. That way, they can head over to that and click and follow you. Um, it was just a real pleasure to have this conversation with you today with another um, teacher friend who just gets it, who understands. And I love connecting with other people like that. So thank you again for coming on to the show. Yes, yeah, same. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tag me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>